Welcome. You're listening to The Cinema Files. Hello and welcome back to part two of our Southbound interviews. Next up, we have Radio Silence, a four-man directing team that created the segment that spans the beginning and the end of this anthology film. These are also the guys behind the Chad, Matt, and Rob Choose Your Own Adventure style YouTube videos, which if you haven't seen before, you'll definitely want to check out after this podcast. Hey, Kevin. Good to meet you, man. Thank you so much, dude, for, for chatting with us about the movie. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, it was a great film. Um, so on the line, I've got most of radio silence here right now. To start off with, I'm, I, I'm curious to see how does a four-man directing team even work? Um, and, and can you like uh, go through a roll call and give me your names and a little background on how you guys came together to form this team? Yeah, um, well, we, uh, we're all from different parts of, uh, of the country. This is Tyler, by the way. Um, I'm from Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, and uh, Chad is from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, Justin's from Tucson, Arizona, and Matt is from Oakland, and we came together about uh, five or six years ago now to work uh, in the digital space and really have been working together uh, regularly ever ever since. Um, and uh, as far as, like, the four-man team goes, you know, I think the best way to kind of think about it is really – we're 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 really a production company, you know, and, and we kind of cover out all of the all of the creative and technical aspects of any of any production. And uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to, to sort of define it. And we find that, you know, we've all worked together so closely for so long that there's really no while while we all have our different specialties, it's really hard to sort of define things too specifically because everybody's contribution is really valuable ultimately to what the project, uh, the you know the outcome ends up ends up being in the end. I see. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So uh, you mentioned two of you guys are from Arizona. If I told you I was calling Casa Grande, uh, you'd actually know where that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we do. Very well. It's a it's a rare thing to find. <laughs> <laughs> your your guys is short. Your your portion of Southbound uh is the only two parter in the film. Uh the way in the well it starts with the way out and it ends with the way in. Um and and as I was viewing the film at the beginning it was honestly very confusing. I didn't know like what the hell was going on even when the segment ended. But by the end of the, the entire film, I thought it was genius. I liked the uh the uh, the cycle nature of it all. Um, how did you come up with Thanks, that, that, that concept? And it, it's almost like it, it's playing in reverse. So yeah, that was like the big exciting thing to us was creating that loop uh, and kind of very, very intentionally making that first like 12 minutes of the movie, 10, 12 minutes, uh, vague, confusing, hopefully not in a bad way, but in a way that you're kind of like, wait, what? I'm not totally sure what all those pieces mean and not letting you know that you're going to get all those answers later. Cause I feel like, you know, one of the things we kept talking about is that in an anthology, you never think like, Oh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll figure that out later. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like, Oh, that's over. Interesting. What? Um, and so our kind of goal with creating that loop was how do we tell basically the third act first and then the first two acts at the end of the movie, after you've seen three other stories and still make it cohesive and make sense. Right, um, 
So that was one of our big, like, challenges, which, you know, was, like, really fun to kind of crack that and figure out, like, well, where do we really, where do we start the beginning of the movie, which is kind of the end of the movie, in a weird way? I mean, for us, I think the loop sort of ends, I mean, it never ends, obviously, it's a loop, but when you end the opening segment in a weird way, that's kind of how we approach from a writing process, that's how we approach, like, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Right, in terms of, like, acts. I, I, I think, think that what Matt's saying too is like there was there was a lot of faith. We had to have a lot of faith, I think, in in the audience too. Like that was how much do you give them, and how much how much do you? We wanted obviously to satisfying, but like it's so full of questions that it, it certainly requires a level of faith in the audience that they're going to be hooked and interested in in getting deeper into the story and maybe learning the answers to those questions. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, part of the key of that, I mean, for the people that, that stick through it, is it pays off at the end. I mean, once you see the final segment or the beginning at the end, it, it all it all fits together. Everything finally makes sense then, and you know, it fits the entire theme of the whole the whole anthology. Uh, so again, that's another thing that Southbound makes Southbound very uh, unique is that it has a very structured framework. So how how is that different? How was the experience of working on this one different to like what you did on VHS? Um, well, first of all, we went into this collaborating with everybody else, so we were able to bring like a writers' room mentality to it. This is Chad, by the way. Sorry, I just jumped into that. Um, so we were able to like each director was able to talk with the other as to how the stories will fit together, and um, we we approached it as a writers' room rather than everybody go off and operate in a vacuum and create your own little short. And I think that that was something we definitely strive for from the very, very beginning. From right after we developed the initial concept, um, from a pitch from Brad Miska, uh, we were able to get the group together quite frequently and regularly at Roxanne's house. And we'd just sit down there and, like, talk about each of our individual segments and how they relate to the overall story. And I think we had a lot of fun doing that. And... It, that was like probably the biggest difference between VHS, besides sharing department heads and production, you know, production crew, and uh, producing it all together as one movie instead of a whole bunch of different little ones. So the uh, the short you did on VHS uh, ten thirty one ninety eight was that created specifically for VHS or was that something you guys did prior that was grouped in with the, the oh no, no that was created specifically for VHS I know Brad Miska saw one of our online shorts called the Mountain Devil Prank Fails Horribly and he contacted us and from Great concept title. to finish yeah I was gonna say real catchy title there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then from concept to finished product was about five weeks on our VHS one. We we kind of flew through it. Uh, we had a shoot over like three days, and uh, and it really came together quickly. And again, but it it was completely operated in a vacuum. We didn't know any of the other directors. We didn't know any of the other segments. Um, in fact, we didn't meet the other directors until we all were together at Sundance in 2012. Um, which is kind of crazy late in the process, I think, if, if, you know, to, to finally meet the other directors when it's premiering at Sundance. Right. Um, we met Saddam and S- Simon and Adam. Saddam, as apparently I call them. Oh, that's right. In the we Saddam, met, so. Yeah, we. Yeah. No, no, we met them. Simon came up to us at the Sundance dinner thing and was like, and if you've never met Simon, yeah. he's a fucking awesome personality that was like, guys, hi, I'm Simon. 
And this, that, and the other told us everything about the movie that we had no idea about. And we were all kind of just, like, wide-eyed and like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Like... <laughs> so that's pretty impressive that you guys filmed that in just three days and then five weeks total. Because uh, it seemed like a very technically difficult short to do. That's kind of we one of the benefits of that style, too, right, though, is that, like, the continuous nature of a found footage thing, it almost like you kind of shoot it in real time to a certain extent. So there was definitely, there was definitely, uh, that, that certainly favors a shorter process. That, that style. I see. You can't waste a bunch of time shooting it. Yeah. yeah. I also think at the time, this is Justin speaking, like we were so used to making stuff for the internet and I feel like the, the turnaround for making stuff for the internet is a lot faster. So for us, it was like, Wow, a whole month to do something like this short? Like, oh, totally. totally. Plenty of time. Oh, and someone gave us $100 to pay for, like, rentals. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> hey, money's always good. And never there. Right, right. So you guys have mentioned some of the internet or the digital realm stuff you've done. Can, can you fill me in on that a little bit? Or, and are you still producing? I mean, we, we, we haven't really produced anything ex- like exclusively for that digital space in a while, but if you want to check out our old stuff, we made it under the moniker Chad, Matt, and Rob. And I think the thing, other than, other than uh, the Mountain Devil prank and Alien prank, which was the first Chad, Matt, and Rob video to get like a, a bunch of views, like a breakout, you know, millions of views kind of video, we specialized in these fun interactive adventures that um, – but I think I think all still really hold a really kind of uh, a close place in our in our heart. We had so much fun like learning how to make films, making those projects, and they're all they're all very dear to us <laughs> still. But yeah, we're we're always down to. I mean, that that space there's definitely like the immediacy of the audience is something that's always been really fun about that for us. And um, well, we will never say that we won't return to making stuff in that space because it was such a great place to start and I think we'd still love to produce in that way. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, so the, the press notes mentioned that uh, the team for South Brown took a few road trips for inspiration. Were you guys involved in that as well? Have any stories to tell? Well, we had wanted to originally, like when we first sat down with kind of the whole group and the basic pitch of like, you know, purgatory start with the end end with kind of like finishing up that story and then thematically we're going to be dealing with like regret remorse sin like that kind of thing and then everything else was still pretty wide open and we had in the initial stages of it been talking about like well you know it could be like this little town it was more of a town less of a road and we had shot one of the things Tyler was just talking about the interactive adventures we had taught up in, or shot up in Lone Pine, California, which is a great little town. And we loved it. So we were like, well, we could kind of use Lone Pine as an example and just kind of got everybody together very early stages and just drove up there and kind of explored the town and kicked it. And, and, and then also decided we shouldn't be doing a town, but that was, it was a big part of just kind of even, even, just storytelling in the movie itself it was kind of a nice like team building exercise you know like we we're like cool let's just fucking get out of town kind of think about what we're doing and jump in and then we took a lot of peyote <laughs> that always helps a uh, creative process right <laughs> one of the things uh that i enjoyed about southbound is it's got a lot of ambiguous nature to it like what exactly is it and again you know the way your shorts broken in half really helps play to that 
but I'm just curious, what are your guys' uh, personal interpretations of what southbound is? Oh, that's a good question. And and hopefully that it's able to, like, be open to interpretation to a lot of people that, that watch it. <clears throat> that's kind of, like, one of the cool things about anthology is, like, everybody will take something different away from it. Um, but I think what we the way we approached it was definitely about regret and remorse and, uh, and just, like, having to come to deal with basically your sins and living it over and over again, like, the worst day of your life again and again, I think, is a great way to look Until at it. Until you get it right. Um, until you get it right, because you still there is still a chance you can get it right. Yep. I, should, I want really quickly just to add to that uh, that 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 leaving it open for vacation is very much true, and that also we definitely just from a creator point of view have we know what we think all the answers in our segment are mm-hmm. in our segment, um, and it's super interesting talking to like one of I think the most interesting things for us during this process has been talking to other people about how they interpret it when because we didn't leave anything just like well we'll fuck it we'll figure it out later I mean it's like we have all the answers but but like you said put very few of them in the not very few but put hopefully just enough to make you lean in in the movie oh yeah yeah definitely because I I mean I have my ideas and then uh, yesterday I was talking to uh, David Bruckner and asked him the same question he kind of you know, talked about what his his version was, even though he knew that might not agree with all the other filmmakers. So I I, I find that very interesting, and I think it plays very well. I mean, oh, thanks, dude. Because that's that was like the goal is like let's have all our answers, you know, everybody involved, and then let's like let it see what people come up with. And it's funny because I'd actually be curious from your point of view. We keep joking that the movie itself from the creator side and even the, from the making of it to the finished product is like a Rashomon thing where I, we, I bet we all have totally different versions of it. For me, I kind of bounced back and forth between like either purgatory or hell, but I was leaning more towards hell because everybody that was in that area seemed like they had done something wrong, small or big and had to own up to it. So that, that's kind of what I was going for. It was almost like a, a hellish punishment for them all. I mean, I think it to a certain extent. I mean, I think that that the definition of those things is interpretive because what's what's to what's to say that living out the same sin or being forced to confront your you know your worst sin over and over and over again isn't a version you know isn't isn't in itself a version of of hell. So that's like, those are both I think spot on. Is there not a glossary in the Bible that we can look these words up in? <laughs> Everybody's got a different glossary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that is the root of all problems in the world. Yep. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so I think I got to wrap up. I got, macro with it. <laughs> I got one last question I'd love asking uh, horror filmmakers. Um, if you guys have ever had any personal type of paranormal or otherworldly experience. Oh, Matt, you've got a good one. one a good answer for this. Yeah. Uh I mean, when I was in high school, I saw, well, and I have no explanation for this, and I'm not going to try to rationalize it, but I saw up in, I grew up in the Bay Area, and we were up in the Berkeley Hills on this place called Grizzly Peak, and my girlfriend and I saw, like, we saw this woman in a white dress. I mean, I, I still remember it clear as day, and it was in the middle of nowhere, like, maybe 10 o'clock at night, and she just disappeared over a cliff, and, I mean, long story short, you know, it freaked us out pretty majorly. And then kind of forgot about it a little bit. And a few years later, 
happen to see it somewhere in like a magazine or something or a newspaper of the best haunted spots in the Bay Area. And it literally said this woman in the white dress up in Tilden Park that, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, I mean, fuck, I don't know. Like, no explanation. Yeah. Maybe it's just a woman who literally wears a white dress and runs around Tilden Park. Very possible. <laughs> it, it it is Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one. Anybody else have anything? Um, I grew up in uh, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and every year on February 2nd, a groundhog would come out of its burrow and mysteriously predict <laughs> the weather for the next <laughs> couple months. And I think this is the groundhog day. I thought I had to bring that up. Oh, my God, that's today. A magical rodent. That's today. <laughs> magical vermin, yeah. I just I just got chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying, right? It's terrifying. I mean, mine isn't necessarily personal, but we I growing up in northern Arizona, the Travis Walton abduction, alien abduction story was always something that was oh, like yeah. very felt very kind of close close to home and there was certainly this sense that th- that there were things in the forest around where I grew up that that couldn't be explained by and large because of of that crazy story. Yeah. And and you were pretty close to um, Sedona as well, and that place is just plain weird. Plain weird. A lot of vortexes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a lot of women in white dresses <laughs> running around. Sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, loved love Southbound, and uh, I'm looking forward to whatever is next on the horizon. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you so Kevin. Much. Appreciate really it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, yeah. guys.